0: Uh, So we're going to talk about something really fun today. We're going to talk about thorn in our flesh, Uh, having a thorn in our flesh. Now, uh, Paul wrote half of the New Testament and and he said that he had a thorn in his flesh and uh, he prayed and God didn't take it away. Um, And I want to, a lot of times, uh, we'll say, I feel like I got a thorn in my flesh just like Paul. Now, if you're a new Christian here, you haven't been to church in a long time, you could be thinking to yourself, thorn in my flesh, what are you talking about? Don't feel out of place because half of this room has no idea what a thorn in the flesh means. So we're going to unpack it, all right? Look at the person next to you and say, hey, you want to go out tonight? Just go ahead. You want to go out tonight? We're just trying to help the single people here, okay? You want to go out tonight? All right, here we go. Um, It's really awkward if a wife looked away from the husband. (laughs) We're going to talk on marriage today. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Alright, here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell you about visions and revelations from the Lord. Now, we're going to read about 10 verses. Usually... I just read about one or two. But because this thorn in our flesh uh, concept is, has, is so well known in the church, I want to make sure we put it into context. Okay, um, So what he's saying is I could, I could brag about the visions and revelations that I've received. Uh, verse 2. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about. It's worth bragging about. But I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Three more verses. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, from becoming arrogant, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me, Keep me and keep me from being proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weaknesses. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. And in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. A lot of times people hear this and say, I want to pray for a healing in my body. I want to pray for a miracle. But Paul prayed for a healing in his body, and it didn't happen. So maybe I'm like Paul, and I'm not supposed to be healed. This is my thorn in my flesh. And so people will live the rest of their life not praying for a healing, not praying for a miracle, because they think to themselves, hey, this is a thorn in my side, the same kind of thorn Paul had. I'm going to try to build a case over the next two or three minutes to 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 present to you this idea that Paul's thorn was not a sickness or a disease. Uh, it was it was probably a person or a demonic spirit. Uh, let's unpack it. All right, I got three reasons why I believe that. Number one is in verse seven he says, "I received wonderful revelation." His his revelations, he went to heaven. Because he went to heaven, God knew Paul very well. He watches Paul. The Bible says every time you sit down, he knows it. Every time you stand up, he knows it. He knew Paul very, very well. And so he, he looked at Paul and he said, because I brought you to the third heaven, You have a propensity. You're going to become arrogant and proud. In other words, he could be around other Christians and say, Oh, you think you know God? I went to heaven. I was walking on streets of gold. I I, I hung out with angels. You don't know anything. God looks at him and goes, I, I know how you are. You have you're gonna get proud. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you a thorn to keep you humble. Now, I don't know all of you personally. I wish I did. I know where you sit. Like if you guys decide to change seats, someone will be like, hey, you don't sit there. This is your seat. How many of you sit in the same spot every time you come to celebration? I know where you sit. Someone, sometimes you walk over and you're like, "Hey, you're in my seat." <laughs> if we weren't at church, I'd tell you to get out. But I'm gonna be a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> but but I know I know where. Um, I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> what was I talking about? What? It's yeah, it's yeah. I was talking about all that. but I can't remember. <laughs> All right, let me just kind of find a starting place. Um, so, uh, so he, he, he walked, uh, so if you don't know, I have ADD and, and if, if I see a bird fly outside, I'm gonna be like, "In God name, <laughs> squirrel. Um, but the, 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 probability, even though I know what I was saying, even though I don't know who you are, um. But I know where you sit, right? Most of you, I know where you sit. But I don't know your personal walk with the Lord. and But I'm, I'm betting that you haven't had a revelation with God, a moment with God, that is so great that you have a, a propensity, a possibility of you getting arrogant and proud about it. I'm guessing that you haven't experienced heaven in a way that now you have a chance of getting arrogant. Uh, So uh, I I just want to say that Paul's thorn really does not apply, the reason for having that thorn does not apply to our life because we didn't experience what he experienced. That's one thought. Here's the second thought. He says that it's a messenger from Satan. Um, Now, this would be a very odd way to refer to sickness or disease. If he had a sickness, if he had a disease, it's a very odd choice of words to say, a messenger from Satan has come to be a thorn in my side. A messenger would be more, uh, that context would be more appropriate to be referring to a person, maybe a demon or a fallen angel. The term messenger refers to an individual. It doesn't refer to a sickness. But here's the third point, and this is the coup d'etat. Paul was a rabbi. He knew the Old Testament teachings very, very well. And he would refer back to the Old Testament all the time. If you're a new Christian, the Bible has an Old Testament and it has a New Testament. The Old Testament was written thousands of years before Paul was ever born. He would refer to the Old Testament. The Old Testament talks about a thorn in their side three times. And this is what it says. It reads like this. In Numbers chapter 33, verse 55, it says, Do not drive out the inhabitants of the land. No, if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you live." Here's the second reference. Joshua chapter 23 verse 13. Then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land. That's two examples of thorns referring to people not sicknesses. Here's the last one. Judges chapter two, verse three. Now, therefore, I tell you that, uh, now, now, therefore, I tell you that I will drive, I will not drive them out before you. They will be thorns in your sides and their gods will be a snare to you. That's three examples of a thorn in your side referring to people. Not sickness. And so if you ever hear a Christian say, I don't know if God is going to heal me, because he didn't heal Paul when Paul had a thorn in his side. We're not talking. The thorns were people. Now, if you go to work tomorrow, how many of you are in high school? Raise your hand if you're in high school. Okay. Raise your hand if you are out of high school and you work. Okay. (laughs) Raise your hand if you live at home. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Watch this. If somebody sees you at school or at work or at home and you're checking the mail and somebody says to you, hey, you're that Christian. Hey, John the Baptist. Hey, Mother Teresa. You want to pray for me? (laughs) And they're mocking that you're a Christian. That would be a thorn in your side. That person who's mocking you. So you believe in God? You can't see Him? You don't know anybody who has ever seen Him? Christians are idiots. Oh my, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. That would be a thorn in your side. The people who are thorns in your side. I was talking to somebody after service and they said, "Um, Would a mother-in-law be a thorn? (laughs) Like I've never met your mother-in-law, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, there's three things that I, I'd like for you to consider whenever you have a thorn in your side, somebody that's bothering you, somebody that's afflicting you. And even though I'm talking about thorns in our side, I want to also say sometimes if you have something that you strongly desire and it has nothing to do with people these three action steps will help tremendously. Number one is fasting. Uh, fasting is whenever you push food away. Now, you can push media away or social media, and, and, and sometimes that's appropriate. But it's, it's when you decide, um, I am going to um, no longer participate in something that I enjoy. Now, for me, I've gone through seasons where, like in January, I'll go on a a no-food fast or I'll go on a type of a fast. So my whole life, I've kind of gone on fasts during certain times of the year. Now I'm in a season, I don't know how long it'll last, where I fast as a part of my lifestyle. On a Monday, I'll just fast. On Tuesday, I'll just fast. Sometimes I'll go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And the reason for that is that I personally am craving something from God that I know just effort is not going to do it. It's not by might nor by strength, but by His Spirit. Some of you in this room, I want to challenge you to fast. If you are in a situation where you know effort alone is not going to fix this problem, Effort alone is not going to make the marriage better. Effort alone is not going to make your son or daughter want to come to church. Effort alone is not going to help you get a raise or a job. Effort alone is not going to help you get rid of this sickness and become healthy. Whenever effort alone is not going to change the situation... It is time to go on a fast. Um, If if there is... um, uh, It's so interesting because every service during this point of the service, different examples seem to come to mind. And in this uh, service, for some reason, um, my mind is going to a secret sin that you know is not holy. If you're addicted to pornography, if the things of God... Bore you. Whenever I see somebody looking at their phone in church, I always assume that they're on the celebration church app taking notes. (laughs) Um, I always assume that. But if the things of God bore you so much that you're just like looking at sports, for example, you can. As a mother or a father or as a brother. There is no effort that you can do to get that person to love the Lord. There's nothing that you can do. There are so many examples where effort alone does not move the needle at all. And we can live frustrated. You can be in a situation, I feel like I need to go back to pornography for a second. You can be in a situation and know that you're addicted. And you've got this big, huge secret because you don't want anybody to know. Effort alone will not, you can say, I'm not going to look at pornography anymore. I'm going to give my friend my laptop and I'm going to give my phone to somebody else. You will find pornography. You will find it. And any time you find yourself in a situation where effort alone does not change anything, because you've already put forth the effort, so you already know, you need to go on a fast. Let me tell you what a fast does. Fasting makes you sensitive to the voice of His Spirit. It makes you sensitive. Because you'll look at somebody's pizza or a hamburger and go, oh my gosh, that looks so good. Have you ever been fasting and look at someone's food and be like, I'm going to come back for that? (laughs) Have you ever done that? Uh, I'm going to come back to my first, my first meal is going to be mod pizza. Mod pizza is going to be in heaven if you didn't know. (laughs) Chick-fil-A mod pizza. All right. (laughs) Chick fil A mod pizza, which, you know, uh, I'm I'm happy that Chick fil A is closed on Sunday mornings because I want everybody to go to church, but there's no good reason why they got to stay closed all day long. How many of you would like to have some Chick fil A today? Come on. All right. Um, Squirrel. What am I talking about? What? fasting. If you ever get distracted, it's time to go on a fast. (laughs) To go, oh, I know what I was saying. I just made my way back home. Um, Whenever you are looking at someone's food, you're looking at pizza, you're looking at a hamburger, you're looking at something and you think, I'm starving and then you whisper to God, God, I want you more than I want to eat food. I want you more than I want to have food. What begins to happen is a lot of times the distance between us and the Lord is because we have become a glutton on everything else on earth that the things of God no longer are appetizing to us. Have you ever ruined your dinner by going to a Mexican restaurant and eating four baskets of chips? <laughs> And then all of a sudden they bring out the food and you're like, I'm not hungry because you got full on chips. Here's another example. Let's say you, have to, you eat Snicker bars and chips and Snicker bars and then someone brings you a steak and all you've been doing is eating junk food all day long. Well, you don't want anything healthy because you're full on junk. It's the same way with the Lord. When you have been having junk week after week after week, and you have nothing to do with the Lord, you don't even crave God anymore because your diet is full of junk. It's in seasons like that where you have to go, I'm going down the wrong road. I I don't even I don't even like Sake. I don't even like vegetables. I don't I'm just. All I want to do is eat chocolate. This is not good. I need to shake myself. I don't even love the things of God. I don't even love church. I don't even love worship. I think it's all boring and stupid. All I want to do is just look at porn. And I want to just live life and make a lot of money and, and do what I want to do. And it's like you got to shake yourself and say, I'm going down the wrong road. And go on a fast. You go on a fast. I, I, I'm just saying, I, this is my third time to speak this sermon this morning. I've not spent this much time on a fast, so I know it's for somebody. we got to go on a fast and get our spirit redialed in. Um, let me uh, share this thought with you. There was a British test pilot named Henley. While he was flying this plane, he was... Thousands of miles in the air. And somebody came and told him that there was a leak. Let me make sure I'm reading it. Yeah, they, they saw, they couldn't stop it, but they could see that there was a rat chewing the fuel line in the plane. And the test pilot knew that if he tried to land the plane, he may run out of fuel before he lands. There's the rat was chewing the fuel line. Nobody knew what to do. And so Henley decided to take the plane and go up even higher, which caused the oxygen in the plane to diminish, and the rat died. Sometimes, when you got something in your life that you just don't want there anymore, instead of fighting it, you go even higher. You you just say, I'm going to pursue even more. I'm going to desire them even more. And what you'll notice is that those things in your life that you cannot kill with effort alone, the Lord will kill for you. I've got two more thoughts regarding this whole mindset of having a thorn in our flesh. Action item number one is fasting. Action item number two is imaginations. Sometimes our imaginations, the things that we think about, it takes us, you you know where your life is going um, whenever you take a closer look at what you think most about. What you think most about is what develops your world. And so... A lot of times, hell will come in and begin to draw your thoughts to a bad direction. Uh, Sit there laying in bed, thinking about things that make you feel depressed, that make you feel down, that make you feel discouraged. And, And as those thoughts go that way, you wake up the next morning and your self image is a little bit lower, your self confidence is a little bit lower. Because of all these imaginations, all of these thoughts. And the Bible is abundantly clear that we got to stop those thoughts. Because as your thoughts go in that direction, you know, my daughter is never going to get saved. My, my marriage is never going to get better. As our thoughts go in that direction, it it, become, it gets a hold of us. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Charles Spurgeon that I love. He was alive over 100 years ago. They called him the Prince of Preachers. And he went up to his grandfather when he was just a little boy and he goes, I think I'm going to hell. He goes, why do you say that? He goes, you love the Lord, why do you think that? He goes, I just keep thinking that I'm going to hell because I've done too many bad things. And his grandfather said, when you have these thoughts, Um, And let me make sure I quote it because it was so powerful the way he said it. He goes, when you have these thoughts, do you take pleasure in those thoughts? Let me just pause for a minute. When you're laying in bed and you can't sleep, are you taking pleasure in those thoughts? Whenever you think that you're believing for a healing and then all of a sudden you start getting discouraged, here's the principle. If you do not take pleasure in the thought... The thought is not from God. If you do not take pleasure in it, it may be from the devil. If it makes you feel down, if it makes you feel depressed, if it makes you feel discouraged, if there is no hope in the thought, I want you to know that that thought may be from Satan. I can guarantee you it's not from God. If you do not find pleasure in the thought. Even if you are living like the devil. And God speaks to you, you. He will speak to you in a way that you will not feel bad about yourself. You will just all of a sudden feel a desire for Him. That is how God operates. So if you ever have a thought that you do not feel pleasure in. That is not God speaking to you. Let me give you an illustration. Um, I've never used it before. I used it in the last service. Uh, Have you ever been fishing before? Uh, Raise your hand if you've ever been fishing. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, I'm not a good fisherman. I'm a city slicker. And when I'm out in the country, I try to act like I know what I'm doing. Um, And and I've been, uh, I went fishing one time up in Minneapolis. I was sitting in this canoe. And... uh, the guy behind me knew what he was doing. And so here I am, I'm casting, I'm casting. And all of a sudden, I, I, I did something wrong. To this day, I don't even know what I did. But the line turned into this big, huge rat nest. <laughs> right? Like, I couldn't reel it in. It's like this big, and I didn't want him to know. So I've got my, like, pole sitting here, and I'm just like, So, tell me about the family. And I've got this big rat nest of, of, of string. Have you ever been there before? And so I'm sitting there, and I'm messing with it, messing with it, messing with it, messing with it. And then finally, I'm just like, you know, I'm never going to get this, these knots out. I mean, it's just... So I took my scissors, clip, beep. All right, let's just keep on going right down. Just clipped it, done. And let me just start over. Oftentimes in life, we're looking at a situation It's just a big rat nest. We don't see any hope at all. We don't see hope for him, we don't see hope for her, we don't see hope for it, we don't see hope for the healing, we don't see hope for the miracle, and when we look at it, it's just a big old mess. And what we want to do oftentimes is just cut it, clip, and then pull out a new line, get some new bait, and start all over in a fresh, clean slate. Let me just tell you that that mess, don't cut it and discard it. Bring it to the Lord and say, I don't know what to do with this. Because the people that are in your life, God put them there. And they're not finished products. And you're not a finished product. We can't cut it and then just discard it. And sometimes we'll be sitting there looking at this big mess. And our mind, our imagination will start running. We'll start imagining things. Different options get rid of this, get rid of that, get rid of this, get rid of that. No, no, no. Bring our imaginations to the Lord. Here's my last and final point. is vision. Almost every single message I preach, at some point in the message, I find myself passionately trying to persuade and encourage a really intimate, close walk with the Lord. Because that's what I'm most passionate about. Um, I want that vision for God, the vision for the things of God, to burn in your soul. I want it to burn in you. I'm going to tell you one antidote, and then I'm going to close, and, and hopefully that this will kindle the fire a little bit. You ever make a fire, and it's starting to go out, and so you... You ever do that? I want to just kind of blow on the flame of your heart for a minute. There was a guy by the name of D.L. Moody. He was a preacher. He was a powerful preacher. The Moody Bible Institute up in Chicago was built after him. And uh, he was getting ready to preach and a reporter came up to him and asked him a few questions and then he preached. The next day, D.L. Moody went and found the reporter and said, Do you remember what you said to me last night? And the reporter was like, "I, I don't know. What you're talking about. I, I don't I don't remember. I don't know what you're referring to. He said, you looked at me and you said that this world has never seen what God can do with a person who is wholly devoted to him. He goes, I just want you to know I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna tell you your personal world, your family, your friends, they have never seen what God can do when a person is completely devoted to him. Now, let me say it another way. Your eye has never seen, your ear has never heard, and your own imagination cannot even conceive what He will do with you and your entire life if you are holy and completely devoted to Him. Would you stand your feet for me, please? I'd like our prayer partners to come down. Just stand down here at the altar. I want to just ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. There's a sweet spirit in this room. This this room always feels so much different than the other services. You guys sing louder during worship. Uh, You laugh louder whenever I speak. I have to pay. I have to stand at the door and pay people in the first service to laugh. But you guys are so interactive, you have so much energy, you're so much fun. But I know that many of of you, like me, are fighting a battle right now. In Psalms 56.9 it says, every single time you pray, every time, the tide of the battle moves. There are prayer partners down here that want to pray with you. They want to pray with you. Would you come out of your seat and take the hand of a prayer partner? Some of you have been in church for so long that your faith level has gone down. That's that's normal. The battle is fierce. But these are the times when you need most for somebody else to pray. And you'll find listening to them pray as you walk back to your seat, your own faith got stronger listening to them pray we knew how powerful prayer is, we would never stop. Why don't you come out of your seat, take the hand of a prayer partner and let them pray for you. There's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready, but let me pray a blessing over you and your life. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May His face shine down upon you. May His countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you. May the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name.